welcome to the Billowing Hilltop podcast. I'm here with Graham. Hello, Graham. Hello, Mike. Uh, what, Graham, is the Billowing Hilltop? I've no idea. Okay. But uh, possibly it's a group yes. of friends playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. I mean, nobody really knows what it is. Uh, and we don't really know where the name... Well, we sort of know where the name came from. Anyway. Yeah, the name's a bit lost in the mists of time. It's sort of stuck and nobody can be bothered to change it. Uh, we're here to say uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we're here to encourage you to rate and review us in your chosen podcast app. Uh, Apple Podcasts, obviously, or Stitcher, or or whatever you use. Yeah, just make sure everyone subscribes and spreads the word. Yeah, subscribes. That's the thing. Uh, thanks for reminding me. Uh, that makes us happy. Uh, now, Graham, uh, since I've got you here, I would like to talk to you about Sessions. Now, I think of him as Sessions IPA, but Sessions IPA. Yeah, I think it's Sessions IPA or IPA. Talk, talk to me about Sessions, because, I mean, uh, we're a couple of uh, episodes in, and I'm getting the sense that he, he'd ra- kind of rather not be there. Yeah, I think um, my idea for Sessions is probably that he really doesn't like working or right. <laughs> overly committing. Yes. Uh, he spent his life at the card tables and uh, messing around in town trying to do as little work as possible while finding his fortune. Um, but he's a priest, so he's like. I mean, does he? Yes, he's become a priest latterly. So I think um, he's he's found over time that his gambling skills, yes, are not as good as he'd hoped. Yes, and that uh, he's been increasingly calling on the goddess Misfortune to, uh, yeah. to aid his cause, and as he's done that more and more frequently, he's been getting more and more of a tug of. Uh, fate moving him in this direction or that and he and he flicks a he flicks a coin between his fingers all the time yes he, that's that's his connection to his deity so he rolls it between his fingers yes wishing for luck um it was it's been his lucky coin it was his last play on the card tables many a time oh uh, was it now okay oh that's really interesting okay so that so he's like a so he's he's connected to a deity and he's 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 a he's a he's a cleric, but he's not really a, he's not an evangelist. He's not out there to um, kind of yeah. He's a, he's a non-traditional cleric, I think. So he's not a, <laughs> he's a yeah yeah. Okay. He's not a healer or a, no, or, or okay. a cloistered cleric. He's no. he's using this kind of connection to uh, to move himself forward in life by taking the shortest route possible. Well, I do like those little instances where, I mean, I think you do this quite well, and we've kind of discussed it backwards and forwards, where he, you get the sense that he feels that this is the moment when something is going to kind of flip in his favour. Yeah, I think that's his uh, his way of looking at life. Don't do too much until you feel the odds are in your favour and then all in. Yes. Okay, well, that's, I mean, I think that's really interesting. I mean, if you, if you, if you look at the, uh, the, 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 I mean, my, my sense of the, the party as a whole, is I mean our story is clearly that you've got these five people you and uh, Grimbold are cousins that's right isn't it and uh, but yes. you're, you're sort of thrown together and none of you are, I have to say none of you were particularly heroic I mean was, I mean uh, Cuthbert is um, how do I put this I mean uh, he see he acts in the heroic way but but Paul seems to kind of stress his sort of reluctance and his kind of uh, feeling of kind of being out of his comfort. Oh, I hate the phrase comfort zone, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and then Parker is clearly a very odd, green, uh, pointy-headed thing that with lighting up eyes. Burple Herpish is a weird sort of misanthropic. Is, is he a misanthrope? 
I'm never quite sure of the definitions. Yeah. And then Grimbold is, is equally... It, Grimbold and, and Sessions, if they are cousins, they're kind of weirdly of a piece because Grimbold seems to be a bit of a sort of chance, uh, reluctant, you know? Yeah, well, maybe that's, that's part of the, um, the halfling characteristics in... Um, I've forgotten where we are, but it'll come Oh, well, now, yeah, so where are we? Uh, we should talk a little bit about the world that we're in because we deliberately do not fill in. I deliberately have not filled in much detail. We just refer to it as, as the world. There is some detail that we've not, we've not got into about where you are. Uh, but th- I mean, there is a pantheon, for example, of deities uh, of which misfortune is just one. Very apt and, and super for the uh, character. Yeah, perfect for your, perfect for your character. Uh, I think Burple's deity is called the Standing Wave, which is the, which is the deity of sort of light and sound. And I'm not sure who else worships whom. The, Urt is the kind of the creator. And there are some several evil gods. Asmodee, uh, who's kind of quite familiar and kind of runs through a lot of um, fantasy and kind of mythic uh, uh, stories and fiction. And will we be, I guess we'll be sharing the deities on our website? I think that's a good idea yeah. to put the deities up there. Uh, something that we could share is the wonderful pictures. So the illustration we're using online for um, sessions is a wonderfully rotund um, halfling oh yes yes well we should do that not um, particularly it's quite a good representation i think of um of what he looks like quite well dressed because he has um a panache for looking good even if it's cheap um and tatty clothes but uh definitely not sprightly that's interesting that he's that he's a kind of fastidious in a way i suppose that's what comes from spending a lot of your time at card tables and sort of trying to create the impression that you're yeah. more successful than um yes really yeah. are okay a touch of the del boy <laughs> definitely that, a touch yeah. of the del boy <laughs> hobbit definitely a touch of the del boy hobbit and uh another thing that we should share <laughs> is uh grimbold right. is making a map of the whispering cairn as you explore mm. it so what we must do is uh, we'll publish that map uh, either on our website or on our Facebook page, uh, look for Billowing Hilltop or on Twitter. And that will give people a good idea. It's always difficult with these things where it's a sort of theatre of the mind exercise. Everything is just audio. Uh, it's sometimes good to have these yeah. kind of visual prompts. Um, uh, now, so episode two, which we've just finished, you found this strange tomb chamber with a sarcophagus in the centre. I, what's your what's your view of what's going on here? Yeah, it's still quite confusing in terms of yeah. how many of these lanterns and what they do uh, and the consequence of lighting or not lighting them. So I think we're still trying to find our way through that. Yeah, I think there's an awful lot um, of that in the episode we're, we're about to hear. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, is yeah, and an awful lot of fiddling, <laughs> of fiddling <laughs> with lanterns uh, and uh, in, and bugs. I think there's quite and a lot bugs. of bugs. I think the bugs, yeah. yes, that bugs was eating your so. face. Um, mm. And one, I, I, one thing uh, that I think is interesting uh, from episode one: immediately you have played that role, you fulfilled that role of uh, you're not you're not a conventional cleric, but but the party doesn't have a healer. Yes, so I, I only have very limited healing, and it seems to be uh, focused mostly on keeping Parker in the game. I think the bard, I think Burple has got some 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 healing. I mean, it's, you haven't got a an out and out like out. healy bot, Mister President, as we tend to refer to them. Used to call it. Yeah. Well, everybody, everybody surrounding him, throwing themselves in front of, 
Yeah, weapons well, and the arrows and stuff to keep yeah. him alive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Might so, try playing up on that a bit later. I think, you, well, you're <laughs> going, yeah. I just think it's really interesting how you're using the, the, the idea of kind of fortune, lady luck, that kind of weird idea <laughs> that the kind of fortune is on your side, that you use that to try and, and kind of uh, just give your other characters a little bit of, a, a, of an edge. I think it's an interesting, different way of having a cleric. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, very interesting. Um, Further down the line, there's some interesting abilities clerics of the of a trickster god get. So we'll see a bit of that. Hopefully, yes, level up. Yeah, well, it'll be a while before you level up, I think. But we'll see how we how we get on. Anyway, so well, we should get into it. Thank yep. you. Uh, it's been a really interesting uh, chat about uh, sessions Epa. Uh, let's see how he gets on against the bugs. Uh, and so, uh, without further ado. Uh, thank you, Graham. Thank you, Mike. And we'll get into episode three. Uh, I've got my love to keep me swarm. Right. So, what do you want to do, guys? Purple and uh, Parker, you can hear this this gittery, chittering sound coming rapidly towards you up this shaft. Purple, you can obviously hear it very well. Yes, I'm going to move away. Let go of my rope, please, Parker. <laughs> I'm moving away. Kiss me, lady. So you're running away. I'm not running. I'm moving dignified. Digni- uh, what's the word? I will get a torch out. Yeah. And I will light it. <laughs> and I will put it down at the edge of the... Okay. Um, the edge of where the, the hole is. But I won't lean in. I just, you know, drop it at the edge. <laughs> and then I'll move back. Oh, well, if you move back there. Okay. And now we're going to be around. So let's have an initiative for everybody. Everybody make a roll. Okay. So uh, Cuthbert, what have you got? Six. Six for Cuthbert. Enormous. Uh, Grimbold, what have you got? Not that difficult. 21. Grimbold's got 21. Okay. Uh, Parker? 22. 22. Wow. Sessions, Deeper? 20. Blimey. Rapid party. And then finally, Burple? Nine. Nine for Burple. Okay. Burple, her piece. Excuse me. So, sorry. So we've got Parker on 22, then Grimbold on 21. Sessions on 20. Uh, Burple on 9, and Cuthbert on 6. Correct? So let's start with Parker. Parker, what do you want to do? I will get out another torch. Okay, so you've got one torch uh, burning at the lip of the hole. Yep. Yeah. And I will sort of throw it to about, you know, about 15 feet away from me, also, so it's as near to the other torch as possible, you know. Yep, got it. And then I will. Well, you can take a little move back. Okay, and then it's Grimbold. Sorry, the, the, the skittering noise is coming from the green corridor. That's right. From the end, the, 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 the end of the green corridor has collapsed into a hole, and the skittering is covering up, coming up that hole. So it sounds like cockroaches or something. Mm-hmm. Beetles. Um, short sure do. I'm going to start, move up to the step on the dais, and then I'm going to. I can't ready in action, can I? Because I've moved. Is that right? You can move and ready in action. Can I move and ready in action? You can move and ready in action. Yep. Okay, I'm moving and readying a firebolt to fire any kind of insects that come out of the hole. Any greeblies that appear. Yep. And now, what does Sessions want to do? Sessions is thinking about what to do. Uh. Uh. Anyway, sir. Okay, Sessions will move up to uh. <laughs> well, Grimbo, I guess. Yeah. I'll give him guidance, and then I'll step back to where I was. Understood. And tell me about what does guidance do? Touch one wooden creature once before the spell ends. The target can roll an additional d4 and add that number to one ability check. It's choice. Does that include things like to hit rolls? Just says ability check. So I think it's not. Okay. And then... 
things emerge. Skittering up out of the tunnel comes a swarm of little beetles. Yeah, it, is, it looks like they're two distinct uh, bodies of beetles. Uh, and can Parker make a perception check, please? Yes, my lady. A 21. You can hear something else, uh, Parker. This swarm of bugs has come uh, chittering out of the hole, and it looks like it's heading towards you. Uh, there's something else in the hole coming up behind them. Something clickety, clackety, something bigger. I pass that information on to everybody. You could shout it out, and it's now a burple's round. Um, so I'll fire so my firebolt at the insects as they come up. You've got two bodies of insects. Which one do you want to target? One on the left. 23. The one on the left. Okay. 23. Don't do anything because it's a swarm, right? Uh, I think you might make a difference, actually. Right, well, I hit. Must be. Must hit 23. Yep, that does hit. I do. Ooh, 10 points of fire damage. 10 points of damage. Okay. 10 points of damage. You sizzle a bundle of little insects, uh, the, the swarm kind of skitters about, uh, looks unhappy, and we move on to Burple. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to move back, stow my long sword, and take out my hand crossbow. Okay, you move back a little bit, change weapons, uh, and then finally it's Cuthbert, who's in the Indigo passageway. Cuthbert is going to move, he's going to stow the short sword and he's going That's to get it. out his blowgun what a blowgun okay interesting parker what do you want to do like parker is going to light another torch and this time i'm actually going to aim and throw it at one of those blocks of insects okay so make a, a range attack with the torch you don't get to add your proficiency bonus because it's an improvised weapon uh, it's plus two Okay. Hitting um, class 11. Uh-huh. No, you just miss, I'm afraid. Sorry. Okay. Your torch lands on the ground near them. Right. Uh, Grimble. Um, I'm going to fire another. Well, I think at the same one on the left. Yeah. So, make your roll. Again. Rolling a 13. 13 is a hit. Rolling damage. Four points of damage. Damage, okay. sorry. Four points Still of damage. Still going. Uh, and sessions. Move back slightly. Okay. Sessions, I'm going to wait till they get a bit closer. Yes, sir. And then I'm going to try, and I don't know whether this will work, but I will try Toll the Dead on uh, the swarm that gets closest to you. So you're readying an action. I'm readying an action. I've got about a 60-foot spell range, so once I feel one of them's in that range, I'm going to have a go at Tolling the Dead on them. So the swarms skitter their way. They avoid Marcus' torches, obviously. They get to the aperture of the tunnel and then they race into the room towards Parker. They don't seem to be moving fast enough to get right up to Parker. And then behind them, something nasty comes sort of clicking out of the hole. It's like an eye with legs. It's like a kind of eyeball spider. Alice. And it clicks over the uh, edge of the aperture and starts to spider its way down into the room. It can move all the way down to the edge of the passageway and it looks pretty nasty. Uh, I've got a readied action from concessions. So I will do my uh, Toll the Dead on it, click my coins together, create the cacophony of yeah. graveyard sound. What's the DC? The DC is 12. DC is 12. It rolls a 17. Uh, then I think nothing happened. And so now it's purple. Well, I'm going to move across to here and shoot the eyeball thing, I guess. Move across to where, sorry? Oh, okay, so you're... Behind the dais, yes. you're popping over to the left to get a line of yeah. sign. So, yes. Okay. I'm moving 
let's get a line of sight and then I'm going to shoot it uh, hitting armor class 17 that's a hit. hitting the eyeball thing for an enormous five points of damage five points uh, of shoot, damage try and shoot it in the eye cold shot it rears a little you've definitely nicked it but it seems to be kind of okay and now we move on to Cuthbert with your blowpipe well Cuthbert's um, scurried back out of the uh, passageway swapped well, his well, weapons got the blowpipe out he's going to have a a ping at this eye thing, but the the, the eye thing with uh, is one uh, range increment away, so that would take two off the roll, is it? Yes, that's two off the roll. No, it's a dis- no. Sorry, it's, it's a disadvantage. Am I correct? Nerd alert. Yeah, it's, it's a disadvantage. So I'll roll this twice then. Yeah, take the, the lower. Yeah, take the lower exactly. number. So the first roll hits a massive twenty-three, and the second roll. It's an enormous 15, so it would be 15 armor class. Yeah, armor class 15. Let me just uh, check that for you. That is a hit. It's just straightforward four points of damage without rolling. It's one plus three. Okay. God, must be dead. And then he's going, yeah, I reckon he must be a goner. It's taken nine points already. I mean, clearly it's uh, in terrible trouble. Now, I want to put the blowpipe away, move and take out my weapons. Is that possible? You've had a shot, you haven't moved, you can drop your blowpipe and draw a weapon. And it's drawing a weapon and move equivalent action? Yes, so instead of mo- instead of a move, you can draw a weapon, but you have to use okay. your free, free interaction to drop the blowpipe. Alright, I'll drop the blowpipe and draw my uh, weapons. So now it's Parker, you're, you've got this uh, swarm of beetles right up in your grill. So is it such that they're threatening my square? No, no, it looks like you want to avoid them being in your square. Okay, so my question was, if I move away, do they get an attack of opportunity? You don't know all that much about beetles. I think you just don't want to be in the same square as them. Okay, now what I will do is I will will have a bash. Okay. So, first of all, with my short sword. So that's an eight. Goes a miss. And then with my unarmed strike, 18. That's a hit. Six points of damage. Uh Uh-huh. It's a little bit affected by that. It doesn't seem to be as affected as you would hope. Yeah, well, I guess that's bothering because it's single attacks on area creatures. Come to me. I will move over towards where Pawn is. Cuthbert. Cuthbert. Yep, understood. And let's move on to Grimwald. Can I fire another... Um, you can. ...firebolt at the... Is it doing anything, do I think? This won't do anything. The firebolts. The firebolts that you fired at the beetles have definitely damaged the left-hand beetle swarm. Parker, sorry, can I be clear? Did you attack the beetle swarm that had been damaged by the firebolts from Grimbold? Yes. Yes. So, we've got two swarms of beetles. We've got a swarm of beetles uh, to the east that looks undamaged, and we've got a swarm of beetles to the west that looks like it's been a bit singed and a bit bashed. Oh, just a bit. All right, I'll fire at the, the western one. 25, natural 20. Okay. I'm rolling well. That's a critical. You roll the damage dice twice. First one is a six, and the second one is a nine. Fifteen point of fire damage. You vaporize the swarm. Nicely done. At least, at least Thanks, that folks. Thanks. <laughs> Johnny, stop clapping yourself. Huh? Stop clapping yourself. Well, no one else is going to do right. And are you going to move? Going to move back slightly. Mm-hmm. And we move on to Sessions Eper. Okay, I'm going to uh, attempt again to toll the dead on the eyeball thing, and then I'll fall back. 
with my mate uh, cousin Grimbald. It fails that saving throw. What happens to it? It t- it took damage from someone else earlier. Yeah, yeah? I shot it. Yeah, for oh, shot it. It's taken nine points in total. So it takes ten from me. So it's taken nineteen in total. Yeah. Okay. I fall back in line with uh, cousin Grimbald. Okay. Can't quite make it up to you, uh, Parker, but the horrible eye thing is scuttling after you. And the uh, swarm is moving, and it is heading for Cuthbert, but can't quite get up to him. And now it is Burple. Okay, so Burple is going to shift his position again to there to get us line of sight on the eye, and we'll attempt to shoot it again, hitting our class eight. So that's no good, and now it's Cuthbert. You've got a swarm right up at you. Yes, I can't move through threatened squares without getting attacks of opportunity, I presume. Here's a quick rule check. The way that attacks of opportunity work, you're only affected by one if you move away from a creature. If you leave a square that it threatens, away from it. You can move with impunity around a creature, staying inside its threatened area without drawing attacks of opportunity. But, as a, as a little extra to this, your sense is, because it's a swarm, you're really more worried about being in the swarm than being next to it. You don't feel that it's got the ability to reach out and strike at something that's leaving it. Ah, uh, okay. Because I was actually going to go up to the eye. Well, well, that, that opportunity lies open for you. You can certainly do that. I think what that. I'm going to do is because the eye's within uh, a range of me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move 30 foot up towards the eye and actually be standing next to it just a little bit the other side yep. of it from Parker and I'm going to remind yep. I can do two attacks on it because I've got the Rage and the Short Sword yep. so you're going to stand next to the eye to the right yeah thank you oh, thank you order 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 the eye to the right <laughs> the eye has it I roll my rapier come on it's not a dog it's a dice oh armor class 23 it's a hit doing Nine points of damage on it. And ouch. Okay. And my yeah. still alive, second though. attack is going to hit armor cl- uh, class. Oh dear. It's a five, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So that's a miss. And now it's Parker. Great. Well, Parker will first of all move up to the opposite side of the eye from where Cuthbert is standing. So you're clambering over the dais, or you're running all the way around? Good question. I don't think I need to clamber over the dais. Okay, so you can run around. I can go round, right? Yeah. And then I will attack it. Yeah. First of all, with the short sword. With it. Hitting armor class 10. Which is a miss. And a miss. And then the unarmed strike is hitting armor class 20. Which is a hit. How much damage do you do? That does five points of damage. And it's looking... It's looking... Oh, well, and it's Grimbold's round. Okay, I'm gonna fire my firebolt at the eye thing. No, no, fire at the swarm, the swarm. Go after the swarm. But swarm. Okay, fire at the swarm. Are you uh, Well, hold on. Oh, yeah, the swarm will get to Cuthbert. We, we can't We can't really damage the swarm. Yeah. Missed either of them anyway, doesn't matter. And now it's sessions. Uh, I'm gonna move. Okay, move towards it. I'm sorry, uh, everybody, for the. Uh... Oh. The audience, not the readers, that can't see, are moving towards the base of the stairs. For the benefit of the audience, Johnny's running away. You're running away. You're <laughs> running away. <laughs> no, it's tactical positioning, it's called. Just for clarity. Run away! Advancing <laughs> to the rear. Run away! <laughs> okay, uh, I'm again going to attempt to uh, to toll the dead by clinging my coins together. Yeah. Okay. On the eye. 
Yeah. Needed to make the DC 12 save. It. Ooh, very close. Let me just double check. Is it a wisdom save? Wisdom save, yeah. Yeah, it makes that save. No effect then. And, well, I will move to next to um, Grimbold. So you're going to run over towards the bottom of the stairs as well? No, no, I'm going to backwards. move next to... Uh, oh, you mean Burple. You're going to stand next to Burple. So we've got a situation where Parker and Cuthbert are in the room next to the dais in the centre on this weird eye beast with the swarm roaming around. And then we have Burple and uh, Sessions standing near the bottom of the stairs. And then we have Grimbold pretending to stand near the bottom of the stairs. But really, it's just an interrupted frozen moment in time. Running up the stairs. As he actually runs <laughs> up the stairs. <laughs> and then the swarm is going to jump onto Cuthbert. Of course. Now, yes. Cuthbert, what that means is that when it's on you, you take damage. Yes, it. But first of all, it has to hit you. Do I not get a reflex save? No, it's not that bad a thing. And it doesn't hit you. Brilliant. Uh, so you don't take any damage. Yep. And then this weird eye creature is going to either go for Parker or Cuthbert. I'm going to roll a d6. On a 1 to 3, it goes for Parker. On a 4 to 6, it'll go for Cuthbert. It goes for Cuthbert. And the creature is going to... It sort of swirls itself up and its horrible kind of sharp weird legs sort of spiral around in a kind of flurry of, of nastiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you make a DC 13 dexterity save? DC 13 dexterity save. Yeah. Or be chopped into tiny pieces. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no. 12. No. You take... Oh, that's the wrong dice. Ouch. Seven points of slashing damage from its whirlwind of lady legs. Okay. And it is now purple. Okay, so Burple will attempt to shoot it again. Yep. Hitting off a 16. That is a hit. Doing two points of damage. Two points of damage. And then I'm going to move. Who's rolling good now, eh? Yeah, baby. Um, No, actually, I might not move. I was thinking of moving towards the eye's pad. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, But I won't. I'll stay right (laughs) doing God. Uh, Cuthbert. Right. So you're in the swarm. Can I move out of the swarm? You can move out of the swarm, but you th- now you feel like you might be uh, vulnerable to a, an attack as you leave. Oh, I see. Well, stay in the swarm, I'm going to have an attack against me. If I move out of the swarm, I'm going to have an attack against me. So it seems a bit... Yep. Like, except what I'm going to do before I move is I'm going to attack the eye. Okay, so you attack the eye. Yeah. with my rapier. <laughs> I'm rolling that, and I get an enormous 17. 17 is enough. Doing a huge amount of damage, doing 8 points of damage. And you kill. Thank you very much indeed. And then I move. That wasn't me, by the way. You're clapping yourself again. It's not me. I wasn't clapping. (laughs) So I'm going to move directly towards the cleric. Don't bring the sword this way. I'm moving directly towards the cleric. And that's south towards... Everybody else who seems to be running away. He hasn't got any spells there. So you're running away as well. And the swarm has a bit of a swipe at you as you leave. Uh, and it strikes, hitting armor class 14. Miss. How does a swarm swipe? Well, you know, they co- it's a collective swipe. Are they swiping left or swiping right? I don't know. Let's have a look at Cuthbert's picture. Uh, okay, so I'm on fire today, actually. You are, Parker. So last time you said it didn't do a great deal of damage... I'm just wondering whether I should plonk a torch on it. 
I would run away. I think run away and do range spells. Yes, firebolts will probably work. Okay, so I will run away. So I will go round the dais. Round the other side of the dais. Okay, so Grimbold, it's your go. You're at the foot of the stairs. Without a source of illumination, you can only barely make out this hall. I think you're at disadvantage if you try anything. Why am I source of illumination? I've got a light spell. Yeah, it only lights up 20 feet, Grimbold. And you're now uh, 20, 40, you're about 50 feet away from this swarm. Well, it's 20. 20 light and 20 dim. Okay, so all about right, well, you have to move up a bit. I'll move a bit. I'll move a bit up, up a bit. I'll move 30 foot forward. Yeah. So I should be able to see them in the dim light. Okay. So that's a novelty. That's the shortest 30 feet I've ever seen, but yeah. That's quite incredible. <laughs> <laughs> the 15 foot, 30 foot move. <laughs> 30 foot in dog feet, what does that mean? Julie's just got. I'll just go and stand next to them. 15 foot? Yes. It's still made yeah. 50 feet. But anyway. Yeah, it's still. Yeah, you're still 20, 30, 40 something feet away. 40 feet? I've seen them in dim light. Just, yeah, I think there's a disadvantage. Ah, oh, thank you. 45 feet, yeah, you can only or just. I'll move another 5 foot forward, and now they are in dim light. Oh, careful. Yeah, so it's at, at disadvantage. Really? Yeah, really, at dim light is disadvantage. How far did he have to move up to so that he's not at disadvantage, Mike? Well, he's got to be within 20 feet, where his bright torchlight shows him clearly what he's uh, shooting at. I think you should do a shield spell instead. Maybe mage armor. Don't have a shield spell. What? What? No, mage armor then. Mirror image. I don't have mage armor either. Let's be clear about what's happening here. So Grimbold is kind of nosing his way into the room. He's desperately trying to stay far enough away from it so that he's under no conceivable danger, but yet also be close enough so that he can see it perfectly. Right, I'm moving there and I'm going to ready an action so when they get within 20 feet That's I can see them under the fire. Yeah, that works. Yeah. That's what you do <laughs> when you've done D for 41 years. <laughs> Is that what you do? That's what you do when you spend 10 minutes micro-engineering your round. Right, it's sessions. Probably won't work, but I'm going to try to toll the dead on the um, swap. Or you can come uh, and heal me and I'll go back in. Yes, I'd love to heal you, but I have to wait till you you need stabilizing now. I don't need stabilizing. That's the, that's the limit of my healing at the moment. Oh. Well, I think that there's no reason why it shouldn't have to make a saving throw. I'm going to make it make a saving throw. It gets incredible 12. Uh, it's a wisdom save, yep. Uh-huh. It fails the saving throw. Is it damaged? Uh, no, it's not been damaged yet. Uh, so it takes 1d8 then. One point of damage. Okay, uh, and then it is the swarm. The swarm. Kind of clever, are you? First level. Yes. So I only have two spells. I cast Bless last week and oh, Heal okay. this week. The s- swarm runs up and envelops Cuthbert. Not before it's getting attacked by Grimbold. Oh yeah, Grimbold, do you want to have your shot at it just as it comes out into the light? Yep, and so I roll a, an 11. And the 11, that's the armor class that you've hit, right? Yep. That's a miss. God. Oh. And then uh, Cuthbert. Oh, goodbye everybody. It's armor class 14 is not good enough, is it? It's not good enough. Okay, so you're in the swarm, but it hasn't managed to hurt you, and it's burp. Um, oh, well, now you've got a, you've got a problem here. <laughs> I'm just standing there looking at them going, no. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Yes. Can I shoot a particular beetle? (laughs) (laughs) Why not? It's the bell. Don't move. Don't move. move. Uh, You suspect that if you shoot at it, you're just as likely any damage you do, you're also going to do to Cuthbert. Understood. Okay, in which case, I think the best 
that I can do is use my last bardic inspiration. Yes. Uh, on okay. on on Cuthbert. Which does what? Okay. Well, it gives you an extra d6 on something on on some rolls, which I can't remember. Thank uh, you. So, yeah, you the creature gains one bardic inspiration die. King of the rolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've got it all down. Once within the next ten minutes, the creature can roll the die and add the number rolled to one ability check, attack roll, or saving throw it makes. Okay, it's all I got. Yep, it's all I got. I can okay. shoot you. And, no, and no, it's fine. You're probably missed anyway. That. Well, Cuthbert, now it's your opportunity to shoot yourself. Do you want to just uh, end it all? I can move. I'm just going yep. to move to a safe yep. distance. Yeah. Withdraw. You know, just so uh, they can't actually get me. Should should couple fall in it. Move uh, on to the next. I've time. got a brilliant idea. Right, my round. You're going to stab yourself. I'm going to move <laughs> there, and I'm going to grapple. I'm going to grapple Grimbold. Oh, <laughs> Grimbold. <laughs> okay, so you're 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 fleeing the swarm, and you're heading over to hide behind no, the swarm. I'm not. Is I'm not correct? doing that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to come out of the swarm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hit the swarm. Mm-hmm. So that, well, before that happens, of course, the swarm gets this attack on you as you leave. It hits on plus 70 yep. at this time. Uh, that means that you take a following damage. Oh, it could be down. See what happens. Could be down. Take uh, a total of eight points of damage, piercing damage. And down. Okay, so you, you you wriggle free of the swarm and it bites at you as you leave and you collapse. I should have done my bonus action first. Which was my second wind. Schoolboy error. You didn't use your sco- the second wind. I got second wind. I can do that at the end of the round. Okay. Well, this park is round there. Short it. How far can I move and light and throw a torch? Retrieving lighting is your move action, and throwing is an attack. Yeah. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to throw a torch into that square. Okay. Yeah. So it's a roll one D twenty plus two. This time hitting oh. armor class thirteen. Thirteen is, I believe, enough. It is enough. Uh, so what roll... damage does a torch do? There's a D three. Three points of damage on it. Okay. And now it is Grimbold. Grimbold will uh, do another firebolt at the swarm. You're sure? So I roll a 21. Ooh, nice. It's a hit. And I do uh, five point de damage. That's fire damage. Okay. And are you running away? I presume you are? Yeah, I'll retreat back away from it towards the stairs. Okay. And then sessions? I will uh, try tolling the dead. Yeah. And it, it fails its saving throw. So it takes 10 points of damage. Oh, okay. Now it's looking quite frazzled. And I'll move back behind Grimbold. Yeah, okay. But it's going to decide, have to decide where, where his session's ending up. Is he standing as close as he looks? He's standing. Uh, sort of there. Okay. Uh, well, the nearest target is Parker. It's going to go one, two, three, four. One, two, three. It runs up. How ropey is it looking? Uh, semi-ropey. Pretty ropey. Three points ropey. It was quite significantly damaged by uh, Grimbold's spell. Surely by my spell. Sorry, by Sessions of Spell. No, no, Grimbold's. Now it's purple. I don't really have much I can do. Can I shoot it? Yeah. Okay, well, I'll do that. I'm going to go to... Or throw a torch at it. Hang on, let me see. I think there are are enough torches now lying around to give enough illumination. Go up to there Mm -hmm. and I'll shoot it. Is that is there where is there a torch? No, sorry, I'll shoot it. I'll shoot it. It's fine. It's fine. Hitting armor class twelve. Uh, that is a hit. Doing three points. 
Okay, that doesn't need to damage it as much no, as you would hope. Point. And now it's the uh, Cuthbert has got to make a death saving throw. Yeah, so that's just a 1d20. Yeah, needing a 10 or more. Death saving throw. Oh. Uh-oh. First fail. Uh, Parker, it's your go. Returning to previous, so now I'm going to throw a torch. Yep. 1d20. Two. Oh, it's critical. You have to roll the damage twice. Yeah, roll 2d3. Three points of damage. Still alive. Uh, now it's Grimbold. Come on, Grimbold. Another firebolt. Oh, there another firebolt. Yeah, 17. There's a hit. And you vaporize it. Yeah, All done. Very nicely done. Thanks, folks. I will run up and stabilize. Spare the dying on comfort. Thank you. That was very, very close. I need a long rest. Could do a short rest, couldn't we? Short rest doesn't get you spells. No, but... Well, we're only first level and we haven't got any spell. We could use maybe that room that we had to crawl to get into where the wolves were layering. Yeah, that would make a, that would make a good base of operations. It'll be warmer. Uh, you'll be defensible. So can we say we've had a long rest then? Yes, you can um, set yourselves up in that chamber. Uh, mount. A, are you having a kind of... A, uh, was it like a watch routine? Yeah three hours or something each yeah three hours on everybody else off and you can sort of work your way you got here it was a day's ride you set off first thing in the morning in the sort of light flurries of snow from the town you got here at about half past three four o'clock uh, in the last light of the day and you've been rooting around in this place i'd say for about half an hour 45 minutes absolute tops including the fights so it's probably about five o'clock in the evening and you can kind of wait round until the following morning. And let's... Uh, it's a, it's an eight-hour rest, is that right? Anybody know any of the rules of D&D? Because I don't. It's eight hours, I think. Eight hours. So somewhere around sort of three or four in the morning, I suspect you're probably not going to get up and start moving around then, you have recovered yourselves. Uh, and you can start pushing back in to the tomb or whatever you want to do. So what do you want to do? I think we should drop down the uh, shaft of the where the bugs came out of because then we don't need to get him to a lid. It might give us some insight into what's going on, on down below, because the part of me was thinking that we'd all have to individually get into lifts and go down one by one. Why don't we turn the thing a bit more and see what happens? Oh, yes, well, we should we should uh, pick that up as well, because um, uh, Sessions pointed it at the green lantern, and then when things started rumbling, he moved it, so it was halfway between the green and the blue. Did we try and open the sarcophagus? No, I think. That's the obvious thing, isn't it? Well, you did a search and you felt, uh, on reflection, having done an investigation check, a relatively successful one, that you thought there might be some kind of mechanism linked to the lid of the sarcophagus, if you recall. So you had thought you, you, oh. you considered it as an option and then thought maybe right. best not to add to the, to the potential. Well, probably something. There's some kind of there's some kind of trigger or, or, or hair trigger or some kind of mechanism linked to the uh, lid, you think. Yes. So you would reluctant to take the lid off i think we should try process of fixing up all the lanterns and getting all that stuff working i agree when the beetles came i was in the process of going up to the edge of the green if you remember dan had roped me up we were going to go and have a look and see what was down there yes that's I right i suggest we go and throw a pebble with a light spell down there and have a look at that see if we could see anything down there first and then after that move the move it on to blue that's what I was to planning blue. to do. Yes. So you're leaving the you're leaving the arrow on the sarcophagus pointing between green and blue, and you're going to go and have another look at the sinkhole that has appeared yeah. at the end of the green corridor. Fine. Yeah. So somebody give me a pebble with a light spell. 
Rope me yep, up. I can do that. And I will go and... For a small fee. <laughs> so I will go and have a look over the edge, drop the light spell down there. Yes, absolutely understand. Yeah, 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 gotcha. Okay, so when you drop the light spell down there, it drops about 60 feet. It looks like you're looking down uh, a cylindrical shaft, but it's not manufactured. It looks like it's crumbled away. There may have been something uh, deliberately constructed or carved out before, but whatever kind of trauma you've triggered by pointing the arrow up at the Green Lantern has made it that you've now got a kind of rough-hewn, collapsed sort of hole. You can see the walls of the shaft run down about 60 feet, and then they stop, and then there's clearly some open space, and then there's a floor, and your light bulb is sitting on that floor. Right, I understand. Okay, so we know that. So the next thing I think we should do is turn the sarcophagus around to Blue and have a look and see what happens there. Yep, go for it. Okay, so you're going to turn the sarcophagus around to a point towards the Blue Lantern. Nothing happens. I mean, it clicks satisfyingly into place. It feels it naturally should rest pointing at the blue lantern, but nothing happens. Is the blue lantern on? No, only the green lantern is lit. The green lantern has always been on. Right from before, clearly it was on before you arrived, but none of the other lanterns are lit. We're missing the red lantern. You're missing a red lantern. One one other thing that you've noticed is that the indigo lantern, which you've opened and had a bit of a look at, it's got a little aperture in it. There's a bracket in that lantern that would take a torch or a candle or something. Oh, there's clearly something in the Green Lantern. You've not uh, investigated that, but now to reach it would be a challenge. It's about eight foot up in the air above a sinkhole, which is about six foot wide. Why don't we light them and then start turning to, the dial? I'm going to go and light the uh, Indigo Lantern using a torch that I've got. Okay, that lights. Uh, the lantern glows uh, reassuringly Indigo. And uh, I will do that for the uh, Violet Lantern can I keep turning the light, the dial? Yes, you can turn the dial. Whichever lit lantern, whichever's the next lit lantern. Well, so the next lit lantern would be Paul's Indigo Lantern. You could you you could move it round another click. Yep, I'm going to do that. Uh, when you switch it round to the Indigo Lantern, you feel a rumbling under your feet, and just like with the the yellow passageway, a little elevator uh, appears, uh, and the doors slide open. What do you want to do? Push Johnny into the elevator and then turn I'll the, uh, turn the dial away. That. Yes. Okay. Uh, anybody going to do anything real? Okay. <laughs> um, we need to find the red lantern. And we need to light the all the The red lantern is down. The red lantern is down. It's not from where we've been. It has to be from where we're going to. Is that the only one we're missing? Yes. Are we certain we've covered everything? Paul's very assertive that we it must be down, but are we sure we haven't missed anything? Upstairs, I don't think we've missed anything. The only thing we haven't really searched is, uh, is a sarcophagus. Can anybody detect traps? No. Well, anybody can, can't they? I don't know whether they have a special specialist thing anymore. It, it's more a question of it's more a question of disabling than uh, discovering. I think you I think you're confident that there is some kind of trigger mechanism associated with moving the lid of the sarcophagus. It's a question of how to stop it doing whatever it's doing. So what skills that now? Well, I think it's, uh, you want to use a thief, you need thieves, picks and tools, I think. Um, I might have some thieves, picks and tools. Okay. Fact, oh yeah, because you're a fighter, right? I do actually have some thieves, picks and tools. It's a dexterity thieves tools check to disarm. Okay. So you, if you have proficiency in thieves tools, you're running I a do. dexterity test. 
and you're adding your, I think, double your proficiency bonus, or I think you're double your proficiency bonus. Well, I've got Thieves Tools plus two. Okay, yeah, and then you've got your proficiency bonuses plus two. Yeah. Yeah, so I think you're rolling a d20 and you're adding four, uh, hoping to work out whether or not you could disable anything. And I get a massive 20. Okay, well, you uh, you probe around where um, Sessions and Grimbold pointed out that they felt there was some kind of mechanism. You yeah. found it, and you feel that you successfully nullified whatever that was. Maybe you've, maybe you've inserted a little chip of stone or a little piece of metal or one of your thieves' picks and tools in in between where something would trigger or close or whatever. All right, what's the... Uh, Grimbold, what's your strength? It's eight. <laughs> I'm very fast. I'm very healthy. I'm good-looking, but I'm... Not very intelligent, weedy, and unwise. And what about your character? <laughs> that sounds like you've um, uh, you've put some numbers into some stats, uh, Johnny, and, and neglected others. Yep. Does anybody have a strength above eleven? No. Uh, yes. Excellent. Your turn. Uh, what? What do I have to do? Well, nobody's <laughs> tried moving it yet. Open the sarcophagus. <laughs> I have disabled the trap. I think. I have strength twelve. Okay. Is it just a strength check? All you've done is feel around the uh, the kind of hairline crack around the lid and discover this mechanism which you've now disabled. So you don't know. So everybody's standing around with spells oh, and swords right. ready. God, it's first level. I'll do it. God, you're all so such. As I said, I've done. I said, I, I'll sit. All right. Go then. Go then. Okay. Back. Back I to I just think everybody. No, everybody else I should often. be standing around. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'm standing around at the back. Right. Okay. I'm going to cast Guidance on, um, on Parker. Parker. A 15. Well, that's sufficient to move it. So Lovely. you just you put a little bit of weight into it. It's like a lift and slide kind of thing. Like, uh, and, uh, it, and now I'm dead. It's up and it moves and you're sliding it. And you can kind of stop where you've got to a point where you've opened up a sort of triangular aperture in one corner. Is that what you want to do? Or do you want to keep yeah, pushing it? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. No, that sounds good. Have a, can we have a peek? Yeah, somebody got a light source. I can, I can see do light spell, spell at will. Dark, okay, dark vision. So, okay, dark vision. Okay, so the, your light spell, it's empty. My light spell is empty. <laughs> when you use your light spell to look into the sarcophagus, it is apparently completely empty. Okay. Apparently. Can I do an investigation check? Yeah, the investigation check will require some close hand scrutiny. Somebody was going to need to really get in there and have a proper look. I'm happy to do that. Take your clothes off first. I'm going to... And wriggle around inside. I will slide the lid such that it's basically perfectly, uh, you know, perpendicular yes. to the... Yeah. Got it. ...sarcophagus, but still lying on the two edges. I understand. There's enough space now for Cuthbert to clamber in, if should he wish to. I'm going to dive over the edge and get in and try and see if there's any secret uh, doors, uh, compartments and stuff like that. Give me an investigation check. I will do. Uh... uh I get a 17. 17 is pretty. It's a pretty good roll, and you don't find anything. Ah, it's empty. Very possibly. There's no... If I'm knocking around, if I'm kind of tapping on the, the base of it, there's no echoiness. It's just... No, it there doesn't seem to be any... Mis there doesn't seem to be any inconsistency in the kind of... The acoustics of you knocking around. You don't find any apertures or any hairline cracks or any mechanisms or push studs or anything. It just seems to be completely stone and featureless. Right, we'll close the sarcophagus lid over the top of him and spike <laughs> it shut. Okay. Uh, anybody else going to do anything else? You've got a lit indigo lantern. You've got an elevator at the end. It hasn't descended yet. 
Uh... <laughs> Have we actually turned the sarcophagus now through 360 degrees? I don't no. know. Yeah. So can we huh? go round back to yellow again, first of all, and see what happens when we point it in the other direction? Pushing it on to violet. All right, then. Okay, so when you push it on to violet, as soon as you start clicking it around, the elevator at the end of the indigo passageway, the doors quietly close and it gently sinks into the earth. Uh, when you point it down the violet passageway, absolutely nothing happens. Right, and then we turn it round to face out to the stairs. Yeah, nothing happens. And then we turn then it to push red. Around to red. And when you turn it round to red, uh, absolutely nothing happens. Could I go back to orange? Okay. Okay, so you've gone all the way round so that you've now done 360 degrees. It's pointing yeah. down the orange passageway. And when you click it round to the orange passageway, nothing happens. Why don't we light violet and see what happens when we turn it to there? Yeah, I'm for that. Yeah. So you light a torch, place it inside the violet lantern. Yeah. 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 You click it round clockwise and you let it come to rest pointing down the violet passageway. Yes? Yes. Absolutely nothing happens. Right. That is okay. no logic. So, so I think that, well, I think the lantern thing, in my opinion, the lantern thing is going to be about putting on all of the lights. Yes. And then something might happen. To create There's another thing. There. So we have to get them all lit. There's another yeah. thing, which is... Well, we can't get them all lit because we haven't got the red one. There's so what do thing. we what have, have we the, the the green one though is above a pit right it's lit the green one is yes the green one is now above a pit it wasn't when you arrived was lighting it no it's flickering away it looks like a it's natural flame is like well it's flickering away so it looks like it's a natural flame of some sort it doesn't look like it's a solid it's not like a light spell where you get a solid uninterrupted uh, glow it's flickering so okay. your instinct must be that there's a torch or some kind of flame or something going on in there. Okay, so the two options we've got are indigo and yellow lifts. Or, or we green, can abseil down green. Yes. I'd like green. I'd like to point out something. Can we light the yellow and blue one? Yes. You certainly yeah. can. Let's do you want to do that? that? Yeah. Okay. I'd, I'd just like we're to point out the fact that if we were 14, we would have got this in about five minutes. <laughs> no, <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Possibly. You've lit the uh, orange. Yes. Yellow, yellow, green, green's blue. already lit. You've lit yeah. the blue. Okay, so who went yeah. down to light the blue? Uh, I did. So, Parker, can you give me a perception check when you're down there? Yeah, it was eight, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, everything looks kind of normal. Um, and you can light the lantern. As you're doing so, you're kind of looking at the lantern, standing at the bottom of the shaft with the chain going off into darkness. Give me another perception check. You get another chance. That's more like it. That's a natural 20. Okay, well, so what you didn't see the first time you were looking around, but you definitely see now that the lantern is lit, is that if you recall, the chains go up, the ends of the corridors go up a little shaft and the chain is attached yeah. 30 foot up. You realise that the shaft goes further up than 30 foot. In fact, it's not the, you can't see the top of it within the light from your light spell. It clearly goes up further than the others into darkness. Okay. You're certainly, you're thinking it's a minimum of 40 feet, because that would be the edge of your dim, the dim light cast by your light spell. You can hold it up. You think it's probably more like 40 or 40 odd feet high rather than 30 feet high. So I'm guessing that you can probably pull this chain, which is what this poor soul below me has done. I'm guessing 
that there's something to do in each of these cases. Maybe we should go and have, so the yellow one was a lift, the green one is a shaft we can go down, the blue one I'm guessing is we can pull the chain, and we have to do it in such a way that we're not standing there like that guy was who got crushed. And we don't yet have red. Red's both of My guess is that once you light all of them, right, then the light of all of the seven colours will meet somewhere in the middle, yes, and make something. And, well, make white. Reveal something, yes. Will reveal something, yes. In the sarcophagus. Well, anyway, that's what my 14-year-old self would say. Yeah, but the, the, the question is where the red one is, and it's clearly down. Somewhere else in the dungeon that we have to go and find it and then go back, right? Yes. Why don't we dangle someone off the green one? Yeah. On the end of a rope with a... Well, I'm happy to abseil down the green one. Then maybe you could have a look around and see whether the lifts go into the same place. Maybe it's on yeah. a big cavern. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. I'm happy to abseil down the green shaft. So you're going to bang some mountaineering pythons into the floor. Yes. Fasten off the end of a 50-foot rope. Yes. We're going to have to tie a couple of ropes together. If it's tie a couple together. Has. Yeah, and yes. where, are you, where are you fastening it? Are you fastening it in the room or are you fastening it in the corridor? I mean, as in, are you fastening it in the passage on the way up to the to the sinkhole, or are you fastening it in the main body of the room? Yeah, just in the main body of the room. Fine. And then Parker is uh, uh, with a little wink and a cheeky smile. He then lowers himself over the edge, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you go down, up, right down. I'm not going to make you make a check. You're just abseiling, and you end up in a chamber. Uh, you've got your lights pebble is already there, right? So you can see yeah. around you. Um, now let me describe this to you. So you're in a chamber. It's about uh, okay. So the shaft where it terminates, it then opens out a little bit on all sides, but in a semicircle. This is clearly an area where maybe the elevator once would have come to rest, were it not broken. But now it's all collapsed and rubbly. Yep. yep. And you're in a chamber that's about yep. twenty foot by twenty foot, and there's a passageway that you can see. Uh, heading off to the south uh, in the dim light from your light pebble, which is sort of sitting square in the middle of this chamber. And there's a passageway carrying on in the same direction, well, carrying on north. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and there are dozens of uh, bas relief figures similar to the one on the sarcophagus lid. Uh, they are carved into the walls of this room and they are staring disapprovingly at you. Uh, many of them sport crossed arms and stern expressions. A few of the statues' heads are missing, and some have huge chunks torn out of them. Now, whether or not that's a product of whatever kind of trauma that you have visited upon this place by clicking the uh, the uh, sarcophagus around, you don't know. But others have got kind of weird, kind of a weird, almost like a melted appearance, uh, like they've been sprayed with something, like an acid or something terrible. On the floor, there's a large glyph that looks like a stylized arrow, which is pointing off up this corridor to the north. And at the very edge of your light spell's illumination, right in the dimmest part, you can see that this corridor goes about, let's say, 10 feet north. Seems to carry on after that, but there looks like there's a, there's a passageway heading left and right, so heading east and west. I'll, I'll relay that back up. From ahead of you and to your right, so that is to the east you can hear a kind of clicking skittering sound <laughs> it's not getting any nearer it's not it's not approaching this sound it sounds like it's not that far away down whatever side passage that that you can see there it's like a kind of 
constant background clicking, rolling down. skitter. Right. Oh, well, Grimbold is going to climb down. Okay, so you you feel some something on the rope above you, Parker, as you, and then you realise that you can see silhouetted against the kind of ambient light in the room above you. You can see the the, the halfling jump on the rope and start clambering down towards you. Okay. What about the guys? Fast. What about the guys up fast efficient? What about the guys upstairs? I, but I think I'm going to come down. Okay, you're going to come down as well. Yes, I'm going to zip down the rope. Okay, so there's now three of you down in this little chamber, and we've got just uh, Sessions Eper and uh, Burple Herpish waiting in the chamber above. So, uh, what about Burple Herpish? What does he want to do? Uh, I'm assuming everybody's off the rope now, so I can tie it off. Yeah, the rope. You can. The rope is. is I'm assuming that your rope is tied off relatively. It's not the most uh, challenging mountaineering uh, moment for you. You can you can you can loop it off against the python, and it's, it seems to be, it seems to have borne their weight perfectly successfully. Okay, yeah. So I'll do. I will also climb down. Excellent. Leaving the cleric behind. This is terrific. No, and I'll stay with the cleric. <laughs> it's up to you. No, it's up to you. Okay. So uh, Graham. So sessions. You were left yeah. behind um, by the other four. They all one by one climbed off down this rope. Uh, yeah. That come day. on, let's all come down here and yeah. fight whatever's down the end yeah, of the corridor. Yeah, okay. Lead us, lead us. Well, it's in very scary down there. I think being on my own up here feels equally scary. Yes. Yeah, come and join us. So I will come and join the... Um, okay. I will climb down as well. So it takes you about... going to die. Let's all die together. takes you about 30 seconds, 30 seconds to a minute <laughs> to work your way down the uh, the sinkhole, and you're all come together. On. Hurry up. Uh, so now, what are you going to do? Uh, I'm going to do the full slide now. Okay. Then with my halfling nimbleness, I'm going to creep up the corridor. Okay. Up to the intersection. You want to give me a uh, stealth check? Stealth check. So I'm naturally stealthy, which uh-huh. means you can attempt to hide even when you're obscured only by a creature that's at least one size larger than you. Yeah, I don't think that really applies in this case. Not really applies, but mm-hmm. there must be some bonus. Stealth is plus three. Shout. So what do you see down there? <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a question on that, by the way, because last uh, time, when Grimbold was investigating, he was, his voice was dying at home as I found something. But in the first uh, chapter of our little adventure, when he was asked to declare what he thought the little shards were that you found by the weird mirror apparatus, he was all, this is obsidian. Maybe I'll just square that one. No, it just depends on... How pompous he's being. Situation. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, I rolled a 10 for my stealth. Okay. Not the end of the world. And what are you going to do? Uh, and I peer around the corner. Peering around the corner to the right, so. towards where this noise is coming from. You can see this passageway that you're that you've goes off about 15 feet and seems to open up. And it, directly in front of you, you can hear in the darkness this kind of skittery, chittery okay. noise. But you can't see any more than All right. that. All right. Well, I'll do a light spell on a pebble uh-huh. and throw it into the room. Okay. Uh, and what you can see is that it skitters into a, a, a fairly large chamber um, from the end of the corridor, which is about 15 feet uh, leading away off to the east. It opens up, clearly, and you think it's probably maybe 30 feet long, this chamber. Difficult to tell from where you're standing how wide it is. Uh, but the, the key uh, feature that you can see is that at the far end, there is a sort of what looks like a stone basin kind of built into the wall uh, but backed by a, a five foot tall shelf and spilling out uh, over the lip of this basin and over a lot of the shelf is a kind of orange paste 
that looks like it's sort of hardened or solidified, sort of encrusted. And over that paste, thousands of tiny beetles with bright blue carapaces are skittering and tunneling, uh, it, like, like almost like a kind of uh, termite hive. Looks like they're either eating it or making it or excreting it or living in it or something. And there's a kind of keening insect chorus that's filling the room. It's like a huge organic mass that's filling the room's southwest corner. Okay, guys, that's right. It looks like you've kind of come across a kind of giant beetle nest and they seem to be concentrated around this weird orange paste which has spilt out of this basin. What about um, Cuthbert? What do you want to do? Uh, well, again, Cuthbert is particularly terrified at this stage. And what can he see to the left? Well, is he going to pad out into the corridor? Yes. Is this a clock device that we've got Cuthbert being, like, worried? I mean, when when in all the years we played D&D have we ever, ever played the line that first-level characters are like, Ooh, I'm into a dungeon, I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, we never have, but I am now. using it as an excuse not to have to do anything. Well, everybody's allowed to play Gosh, the character the in their uh, oh. play the character in their own way. Yeah, I mean you can you can read into his behaviour whichever way you want. You want to play it as an extension of my character. <laughs> I I would like to just point out that whilst he is terrified, he's more frequently at the front. Okay, and not <laughs> and not trying to run <laughs> away. I think it would be fair to say well, as well that, that unlike I... the rest of you who have grown up either in or around this rather kind of rough and tough little mining town. Uh, Cuthbert is like the the, the, the the youngest little son of this sort of trading merchant family from Evenstar, the big city. So maybe he's not all that cut out for this kind of stuff. He's, he's, he likes to think big, but he's never actually done anything. Okay. Well, what does he want to do? Does he want to pad into? Does he want to pad north up this corridor to join Grimbold? Yeah, he, what, he, what he wants to do is... So he's going to pad north, and where uh-huh. the all the insects you can see are to the right, to the uh-huh. east, he's he going to look, look left. He looks a little west. Okay, and has he got dark vision? He's yes. got dark, dark vision, yes. Well, okay, so what you can see, uh, you get 60 feet of dim vision, and that allows you to see yeah. that there's a room that looks like it is symmetrical with the room that Grimbold's been looking at, the one with the uh, insects in it. Uh-huh. There are uh, there are eight man-sized stone slabs about they, they, they're up to about four foot off the ground and they're arranged in two rows like pews in a church or right. maybe there are eight sarcophagus bases but they seem to be plain but on one of them it looks to be a corpse possibly a humanoid yeah. um, you can't pick up any colour with your dark vision at the very end of the chamber that you're looking at mm-hmm. there looks like there's a little sort of stage like a little stone stage or platform and on that there is a statue that's right at the extreme end of your vision, but you think it's some kind of warrior wielding okay. what looks like a kind of giant club. But again, the details, exactly how it's posed, what it is, what it's made of, that eludes you because it's too far away. It's just okay. too dark. I'm going to last torch and, okay. move and walk into that room. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you hand, can see torch in one hand, rapier in the other. You can see that the uh, the only colour in this room is actually the the the, the, the corpse on uh, the uh, one of the slabs, the third slab from the left, is wearing red leather armour, uh, and the statue at the end of the room is uh, looks like it's actually sort of sculpted out of red clay, and it's 
it's so posed so it looks like it's sort of surveying the room aggressively. Uh, and can uh, you give me a uh, wisdom save, please, when you step in there? Yes, I'll do that now. I'd, I'm rolling above average. Three. You're a three. You're a three. You feel tired. Uh, um, you feel, when you step in there, you feel immediately, you start to feel weary. You're not quite sure what is going on there, but uh, yeah, it's 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 instant. Okay, this whole place is quite uh, quite scary. It is in rule terms, uh, Cuthbert. You're feeling the effect of exhaustion. Okay, so I'm adjusting for exhaustion. Exhaustion stage one, a bit of geekery. But the way that it works in fifth edition one. is that exhaustion works in stages that pile one on top of the other. And Cuthbert is affected by the first stage, which means that he is at disadvantage on all ability checks. Yep. You just feel tired and you just feel like, nice. You'd love to lie down on one of those slabs, Cuthbert, and just take a well earned rest. Even though you've only been awake for about 20 minutes. <laughs> I know how he feels. I think Sessions will wander up to Grimbold and see what he's doing. What about um, Burble Herbish? So Burble's going to head down the passageway that we haven't explored. Straight on, straight north. Yes. Yes, moving cautiously, okay. uh, yeah. prodding, chucking yeah. light spells uh, out ahead Not, of him like pebbles. Yeah, you can skitter a pebble ahead of you, and about 10 feet further on from the intersection, there are a couple of alcoves, and those alcoves are, uh, they've got numerous pegs set in them. Um, it looks, make a make an intelligence check. It's all very confusing. Intelligence check five. Mm, you can't. There's nothing obvious. Kind of occurs to you about the 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 the, the uh, purpose of those pegs and those alcoves. The other thing you can see is the ten feet beyond the alcoves. So a total of uh, twenty-five feet past the intersection, there are stairs that go down. Your light pebble has rested just to the nudging the top of those stairs in like the last five feet. Uh, and what you can see is that those stairs, uh, they drop away from you and keep heading north. Give me a perception check. Uh, 70. There's a weird noise coming from... Uh, you can see the you can see the top of the stairs, you can see them drop, drop away. You know, the amount of angle you get from your height gives you so much. There is water lapping up at the stairs wow. after about five feet, of literally at the extreme that the angle gives you. You realize that the stairs are going down and they might continue to go down, but after about five feet, they're, they're dropping into something that seems flooded. And the sound that you could hear, the weird sound that you picked up with your perception check, was the lapping of water. Seems really out of place here. That's the steps. Can you just describe the pegs a little bit more? So are they wooden pegs in holes, or are they like clothesline pegs? What kind of thing are we talking about? They're not decorative. They look practical. Yeah. Uh, they look like they're sort of set apart uh, in rather sort of specific arrangement, in a rather make another intelligence check. Uh, it's, it's not going to go well. Five. <laughs> no, again, it's not nothing. It's difficult to kind of determine what you think they're for. Yeah, but how are they? How are they arranged in a grid? Or uh, well, yes, they're they're sort of arranged in a grid, but with sometimes with longer gaps. Uh, between pegs uh, vertically than in, in other places. So you might have a row of pegs, each of which is uh, then another row, but sometimes that there are gaps, there are larger gaps. And are they symmetrical? Right. So it's on both sides, right? 
Uh, they're not symmetrical between each other. No, they they look again. It doesn't look like they've been created as part of any kind of decorative pattern. Y- yes, sessions. What does what does sessions I, want to ask? I think seeing purple is now exploring pegs. I'm going to go and have a look at those. Okay. Well, uh, can you give me an intelligence check? Sessions. What do you make of these pegs? Coffee. Oh, Dan. Given your intelligence check, you're just looking at them and going, "Ooh, pegs." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Coffee. Well. Right, though. Uh, Fifteen. There you go. Okay, you look at these peg sessions. Well, and and Kenny, I think. Uh, yes, uh, I think you're fine. Let me t- let me take things from here, Burble. Um, <laughs> you think it's where somebody would keep tools? It's that thing where you have pegs set up to have. You know, you might hang a saw from one. You might hang a oh. hammer between a couple. Uh-huh. It looks like it's like a. Right. It looks like they're tool cupboards. And any and tools there? Nope, no tools there. And purple herfish was too thick to recognise that. Well, I mean, unless you get it into context, it's one of those things where a little switch goes across and you and you know what you're looking at. Mm. Sessions for sessions, the switch flicked, and for purple, the switch did not. And are these large, sort of large tools or small tools? Eh, human-sized tools. Uh-huh. I was thinking more sort of like a hammer or something as big as a spade or a rake. Oh, I see. Um, well, you think probably uh, they're not just like woodworking tools. You think there's some, some fairly sort of um, uh, hefty things were once hung up on some of these pegs. Maybe okay. masonry tools would be the would be the best way to uh, to kind of describe it. Yeah. So can I get uh, perception checks, please, from everyone? That'll be a nineteen on the dice. Okay. Five. Five is not great. What about? It's pretty great. I think you'll find. Well, it's twenty-five percent. No, it's no, five. Graham, what have you got, Graham? Eighteen. Eighteen for Graham. Uh, and what about Grimbold? Give it a shot. See what you get. So minus one on this roll. Grimbold aces it with a twenty. Uh, and okay, so what happens is that you hear something. Uh, you hear something from upstairs. Oh, great. What you hear is a kind of uh, the sound of our rope getting cut. No, no. Um, what you can hear is what uh, Grimbold can hear with his magnificent role, uh, and also Graham you can hear a couple of things. You can hear the sound of uh, some sort of indistinct sh- sort of shouting, calling out. Uh, sounds like a kind of gruff male voice. Uh, you can hear something that sounds uh, kind of sn- kind of growly and snuffly and dog-like. That's all of you can kind of hear that. But what Grimbold and Sessions can hear, and I'm saying Luke um, Parker can hear as well, is there's another sound. It seems closer, it seems quieter, and it sounds like uh, agitated uh, breathing and kind of slight sort of, um, I don't know, kind of like a... I don't know that kind of thing. Like a kind of a slightly high pitched kind of youthful voice, difficult to tell if male or female. That seems closer and 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 uh, closer but quieter. But you've picked it up with the good rolls. And I think we leave things there. That oh, was a good no. sesh. Uh, brilliant. Uh, we'll pick it up next time. Cheers, Bye. mate. Steak. Thank you.
The Billowing Hilltop podcast is a Billowing Hilltop production. Dungeons and Dragons is a trademark of Wizards of the Coast. The Whispering Can and The Age of Worms are copyright Paizo. The Whispering Can was written by Eric Mona. Music is from Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com and is used with thanks under the Creative Commons license. Additional music and sound effects come from the wonderful Sirenscape. All other original material is copyright Billowing Hilltop. Role-playing games are all about getting people together and we use Roll20 as our tabletop, the perfect place to host your game and Discord to host our chat. Thanks for listening.